Welcome to Just Go Grind, a show that focuses on helping you launch and grow a business and navigate the ups and downs of entrepreneurship. I'm your host, Justin Gordon, and in this episode, we have Jeroen Korthout, co-founder of SalesFlare, a simple yet powerful CRM for SMB selling business to business and the number one CRM on Product Hunt. In this episode, we go through how SalesFlare differentiated itself from the 600 other CRMs on the market, the impact of SalesFlare's Product Hunt and AppSumo launch, and what they did to kind of manage having 5,000 some customers come in and on the back end handling that was a mess. We go through that as well. The customer acquisition strategy for SalesFlare and how they've used content marketing, leveraging SEO and social media to help grow the company. Jeroen's incubator and accelerator experience as well as his fundraising experience for SalesFlare. Founder Coffee, the series that Jeroen hosts as well and so much more in this episode. As always, the show notes are at justgogrind.com slash podcast, and you can support the show by leaving a rating and review over in Apple Podcasts. This episode is brought to you by Hawk Media, a full-service outsourced CMO based in Santa Monica, California, providing guidance, planning, and execution to grow brands of all sizes, industries, and business models. Hawk Media is recognized by Inc. as one of the fastest-growing marketing consultancies, and their collaborative process, a la carte offering, and month-to-month fee structure give clients the flexibility they need to boost digital revenues and marketing ROI. Hawk Media, the company, has serviced over 1,500 brands of all sizes, ranging from startups like Tomorrow Melon, SIO Beauty, and Bottle Keeper, to household names like Red Bull, Verizon Wireless, and Alibaba. And also, I had the founder and CEO of Hawk Media, Eric Huberman, on the podcast in episode number 23, if you want to take a listen. And to get a free consultation, head on over to hawkmedia.com and be sure to mention Just Go Grind. Without further ado, here is Jeroen Korthut, co-founder of SalesFlare. Jeroen, welcome to the show. Yeah, thank you. Glad to be here. With SalesFlare, uh, I always like to give context on the companies that these founders are uh, have started. And for you then, what is SalesFlare? What are you guys doing there? Uh, so SalesFlare is, um, is a CRM system. Um, I know there's many out there, so to place it a little bit, there's a, by the way, there's about like 600 plus out there. <laughs> Jeez. Um, so we are a sales CRM. So it's really focused on helping sales teams uh, sell. Um, it's a CRM for small and medium-sized businesses, which means that it's not like Salesforce, which is which is built for enterprises where people sort of have all the building blocks to build software for themselves. No, it's a very out-of-the-box practical tool that really helps you sell, um, built for end users. And within that space, again, um, the difference we make versus our competitors is that uh, you don't have... Um, almost any data input into Salesforce. Uh, so that whole issue with um, uh, CRMs that salespeople hate them because they have to fill them out and they don't really help them, we, yeah. we kind of solve that. Understand there are so many you know CRMs out there at this point, but you started mm-hmm. back in 2014. Why did you decide to start a CRM company? Uh, we we didn't decide to start a CRM company per se at that point. We just wanted to uh, fix that issue. Um, so so when we started, we saw that um, basically when we were using a CRM system, um, we always had to fill out stuff that was already in other systems. 
one and second that it didn't really help us follow our customers better and we hate disappointing customers so we started <laughs> thinking like okay how can we solve this and we noticed that th there weren't any crm systems in the market that really solved this because they were all dependent on the data input of salespeople. Um, and once somebody sort of lost the discipline to to fill out the system then then the whole system would fall apart so inevitably that will always happen um, and in our um, very early stages uh, we thought we were going to solve this for larger companies uh, so we thought all oh, these companies that have something like salesforce and salespeople aren't really using it and that's a big issue for them so we're going to build a sales platform um, that salespeople can use uh, that really works for them. And all the data still stays centrally in that CRM, which they also use for other purposes. Um, and we'll, we'll connect that to Salesforce. So we, we thought about building a sales platform. Uh, but then when we went out and we tried to sell that idea to people, they said like, yeah, that's, it's, it's true. Our salespeople don't use the CRM well enough. And we've invested a lot of money and we're very disappointed about this. Uh, yeah. And we want to fix that, but we don't want to fix that by adding a system. We actually want to fix the CRM. And we're like, okay, good luck. <laughs> um, but uh, we believe that we can actually fix it. And they're like, yeah, might be, but you know, Salesforce should be fixed. We shouldn't add a system. And by the way, we think that synchronizing two systems is not going to end well. Um, yeah. And we understood that, obviously, and we um, then started seeing around us, we were in a startup incubator, and all of the, the companies around us were like, oh, what you've built is really cool, uh, we need to follow up customers every day, uh, and your system seems like something that might help us and might replace the CRM that we're currently using, and then we thought, oh, okay, so maybe we shouldn't focus on big companies and try to build something that... Uh, connects to a big CRM, like an enterprise one, maybe we should offer a CRM ourselves and then we we focus that on small companies who care in the end also much more about uh, the end user experience, uh, being practically helpful, uh, these kind of things. So we, we switched at some point and that's, we're still focusing on small and medium-sized businesses also more and more now, right now. I know just from looking at your website and understanding some of the copy and language and the, the thing, the product itself, how is it then more simple, a uh, more sim simple and easier to use version? And like, I know uh, you mentioned kind of like the idea of inputting data and missing out on deals in their copy as well, but how is this uh, work? So take me through like the product itself if someone's using it. Yeah. So when you, when you start using Salesforce, so you're on the side, you can just click at the, at the top right, uh, start a free trial. Uh, you connect your inbox, which could be your G Suite or your Office 365 or whatever else you have. If it's something else, then you don't have like this one click sign up that you need to get your IMAP details. Uh, but if it's, if it's G Suite slash Gmail or Office 365 or .com, uh, so anything from Google or Microsoft, just one click, you connect your inbox. Um, it will start sifting through it. Uh, so it, it gets access to it. It sees who you are in contact with. Uh, it will get extra information about these people from social media. It will get, get extra information about these people from email signatures in your inbox. 
Uh, it will start mapping uh, connections you're having um, with these people. So like how strong is your connection with each person, which in the beginning is not super useful for you if you're a single user, but as you start using it as a team, it becomes really interesting. Uh, because then if you look at a certain company, you can tell uh, who your team collectively knows at a company. Uh, you can see uh, who knows whom, like to which extent. And that's based on like, like email interactions and, and calendar meetings and all that. Um, and it helps you to, to get the right intros. So then as you start using Salesflare, um, when you create an account, so like a company you're selling to, there's a search engine in there. Uh, it, it pulls through uh, most of the companies in the world when you start typing, uh, immediately identifies their website and their logo. So you quickly get started, you hit create. Uh, it pulls in extra information about that company. Uh, so you don't have to input uh, things like uh, yeah, their logo, what they do, uh, their website, obviously, um, like the size of the company, perhaps their general email address or phone number, stuff like that. And then Salesforce will tell you who you know at the company based on your inbox and calendar. Uh, and you yeah. can just add these people with one click. They've already been pre-populated with a lot of information, like I said uh, in the beginning. Um, and you can also tell who else uh, your team knows at the company. And as you add um, people to the, the account with one click, the timeline also starts filling up. Uh, so you add a person, the timeline refreshes and says, okay, these are all the emails, meetings, and, and phone calls you had uh, with this person. You add another person that also gets added. Um, and from there, all, all you basically have to do is, is create an opportunity to indicate that you're, you're selling something to them. Um, and the, the information on the company and the timeline and the account and all that, it will just keep updating itself. And also based on that information, um, Salesflare will start making suggestions. So it tells you, uh, well, we see that the, the opportunities in this stage like for instance, you've made a proposal uh, and you've said that you want to follow up every five days with, uh, with companies to which you made a proposal. Um, it's been five days, so maybe you should follow up. Or there's an email that has been sitting in your mailbox from that company, maybe you should do that. Uh, or you forgot to add a meeting note here. Those kind of uh, little nudges Salesforce will also give you uh, so that it actively helps you sell beyond like tracking the information and giving that Kanban style pipeline overview, um, it will also actively uh, help you. That's that's great to have that overview because I think it's helpful to see where a company is at now. And I like to have that context for people as they're thinking about this. And actually, it does sound like an incredible platform. And that's probably why the reason uh, it's the most popular CRM on Product Hunt and AppSumo. I want to get back to that side of things too. At what point did you launch on Product Hunt, we're on AppSumo, and how did that impact then the, the business from there? Yeah, those were both very important moments for us. Um, that was both in two, 2017. Uh, Product Hunt uh, was more than today, I would say, still a very popular place to find products. Uh, yeah. it's, it's grown still since then, but uh, I, I feel that a part of the community has been hollowed out in some sense. You don't get the, the same attention for things anymore when you launch because when we launched back then 
we had literally hundreds of trials in a few days. The, the exact numbers are somewhere on our blog. Uh, if you Google product hunt launch somewhere near the end of the article, we added all the numbers. And um, there was a whole lot of enthusiasm that we had been building up uh, towards the product hunt launch and that we all uh, unleashed that day. And it was, it was just amazing because for about three years before that, um, first for about two years, I had been selling uh, Salesforce sort of manually, um, actually having a very um, like heavy sales process and me be involved all the time. Just about six months before we launched a product hunt, we uh, opened it up with a trial on the site. Uh, so people could start going through it themselves. And we started optimizing um, the onboarding so that uh, people would actually see the value, understand how things worked and all that. And product hunt there was the first uh, attempt we made at, at getting some scale um, and getting the word out there and getting some interest. And that was a really nice campaign. Uh, which immediately pulled us to a higher level, but it was really AppSumo then that, yeah, that's, <laughs> that, that was not like a, a few hundred trials uh, in a few days. That was thousands of new uh, people using the software. Um, I think in the initial stages, it was in the first three weeks, about 5,600 people uh, getting on Salesforce. <laughs> And us onboarding these people, uh, explaining them stuff, helping them with uh, imports. Um, but more importantly for us, uh, what was, has been invaluable uh, from all this uh, was one, uh, the product feedback we've received. Uh, people on AppSumo um, are so much more active than, than people who actually uh, pay you like subscriptions on because to give a bit of a perspective, AppSumo, it's a kind of a lifetime deal. Um, so you pay once and you get access to a software product uh, forever for that price. We did a deal in which we gave one user for free, all for free. I mean, one user that you could get for life uh, yeah. and all other users at a discount. So even though these people pay less than uh, your normal customers, which you, which you start getting maybe before or after that, um, they do provide much more feedback, uh, which is very helpful if you're, if you're trying to make a product as, as, as good as possible. And secondly, um, it also gives you quite some scale when it comes to, um, to word of mouth. So people yeah. recommending other people, uh, your system. Um, I think if, if your product is good for let's say, um, smaller marketing agencies, then AppSumo is a, is a really great place to get that first uh, interest going, uh, despite all, the, all the, the, the negative things that, that might come with it. Uh, I think, yeah, it can be really worth it. Backing up to the prior time, you mentioned kind of optimizing pre-launch. What were some of the things you were doing to prepare for that prior time launch? Yeah, uh, it's been a while. Uh, <laughs> 2018, you said, right? Mainly remember 2017. 17. Um, what I mainly remember is is creating our uh, initial sort of onboarding walkthrough. Uh, we had something extremely simple uh, at first. You, 
just basically landed in Salesforce and there were a few things. Um, before the product hunt launch, we created something that act actively guides you through the software so that that uh, shows you um, the very basics of how Salesforce works. What I explained to you earlier, but then visual, um, which then shows how it works, but also shows you immediate value, uh, which immediately yeah, made a big difference for our conversion figures. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot that goes into that side of things. It's like being prepared for this influx of traffic that you're going to inevitably get, you know, in a, obviously the best case scenario, you want tons and tons of free trials from that. Yeah. And with the AppSumo thing as well, you said it was thousands. Uh, how did that kind of impact on the back end after you got those trials, <laughs> uh, your onboarding and everything else? That was, um, yeah, we had some <laughs> huge issues there at some point. Uh, so so we, we had... First of all, we had a, a, an infrastructure back then, which had one server and uh, talking to the database. Just now we have, um, and that's something we started building out during the AppSumo launch, uh, is a fully scalable infrastructure, which adds servers as, um, as we need them. Uh, and this is on different levels, like different types of servers that handle different things. So, so things don't like interact with each other in any bad ways. So everything is super stable, but it wasn't like that, that at that moment. And you can imagine when then thousands of people at once uh, start coming on your software that creates some issues. Additionally, um, we hadn't built uh, our email integrations like um, fully on the, the, the Gmail slash G Suite and the Office 365 slash, out, slash Outlook.com APIs yet. That we still had some sort of layer in between. And, and we told the guys uh, of that company uh, that we were using, like, be prepared for some traffic. And they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Our, our service can totally take it. There's no issue. We just upped your limits a bit. We we brought down their whole system. Uh, oh, <laughs> so we, oh, we were man. working simultaneously on uh, fixing that. Uh, basically relieving some of the pressure we put on their servers uh, so they had less um, less things to fix on their end. Secondly, uh, making our server infrastructure uh, scalable um, automatically. Um, and third, something that put a whole lot of pressure on us was uh, the amount of imports we started getting because we, we thought we could do it without an import module. And we said to people like, we will import your stuff for free. Um, but we got so many requests, uh, I think about 400 or so for, for, for data imports, uh, that it wasn't really something that we could easily handle. Um, two developers at some point full-time were, were importing data uh, up till the point that that they were so sick of it that they said, okay, I'll make this import module. It's going to be ready. And I think it was two weeks or something. People will wait two weeks and then it will, it will be much, much easier. Um, and we, we made that decision then to go for that. And, and indeed in, in, in two weeks we had an import module. What was kind of the, the customer acquisition strategy from there on out that was more on a repeatable kind of basis? Yeah, from from there on out, uh, we've mostly grown based on, um, I think, first of all, word of mouth. 
uh, a lot of people recommending uh, Salesflare and, and the, the launches we did definitely contributed to, to getting some scale there. Um, then um, people finding us through Google, uh, which mainly happens uh, from either review sites or blog lineups, um, which also was helped a lot by, by these launches we did. Um, and then fourth, uh, we started building out our content marketing from there, but that's something that um, in, in the beginning of 2017 wasn't very developed yet because for, for the, the, the few years before that, we had focused very much on uh, being very close to customers, um, selling to them in a, in a very guided way and didn't spend a lot of uh, time on other stuff like marketing that pays off in the long run. Yeah. Uh, but as we've been building that out in the past few years, this is bringing us more and more leads as well. Um, and now we're adding uh, things to that, like uh, getting on podcasts and organizing webinars with other companies and all these kind of things that are more of um, a partnership thing, if, if you can name it that. Um, yeah, and I think those are so beneficial, obviously, with doing those types of things as well, especially with a software company and then finding the right audiences for that. I wanted to just ask real quick about the, the content marketing side of things. I think that's a important thing that's it's harder to do in the beginning because it is a long-term mm -hmm. play, uh, you know, having that. But then with the SEO side of things in the long term, it's so beneficial. What's been your approach in the content marketing side of things in terms of either your, your, you know, your cadence with content, how you're creating it, deciding which content? I would love to hear more about that. Yeah, uh, we, we shifted uh, approaches over time um, quite quite often. Um, I think we started off with creating um, top-notch shareable content, huge playbooks uh, in the beginning, um, which were really great content to get some hype going around Salesforce. And, and at that moment, uh, it was something we, uh, we worked around in groups as well. We, we wouldn't share like the, the link to, to the blog article, uh, but the guy who was writing those Back in the day, he would um, basically start writing them in Google Docs and then uh, share them for feedback in the group. And then a lot of people were very enthusiastic. And in the end, we, we'd get it on the blog and all that, uh, which was a great strategy at that point. Um, then we started more um, systematizing that uh, content machine, I would say. And we started uh, posting uh, two times per week. Uh, we really churned out two pieces per week for a long time um, on a consistent basis. Um, initially, we thought mostly about what our target audience would like to read. Yeah. Uh, and that's what we mo mainly cared about. At some point, we started uh, doing more, um, being more thought thoughtful about SEO and um, investigating what our target audience would search for. Uh, and focusing on these things, and we've we've uh, we've had some amazing successes there with pulling a lot of traffic to our blog. Um, but then we also noticed that this is not the only important thing, uh, <laughs> and um, that you also need to have traffic that is somehow relevant uh, to you. Yeah. Maybe you can have some posts that pull a lot of traffic. Uh, but in the end, the things that are going to bring you customers are, are not necessarily those. Um, 
And now what we actually do is we, we look for uh, topics that our target audience finds interesting that are related to our product that get a lot of um, search traffic, but that we can also write in such a way that we can share on social media. So yeah. it, it starts getting a bit, a, some more requirements, I would say. Um, and then we write those uh, blog articles in such a way that if you were to search for that specific topic on Google and you land on our blog post, uh, then you find exactly the things you'd expect to find there in a very clear way. So you, you, you keep reading, um, preferably also a little bit entertaining. Um, really so really focusing on that search intent but still writing it in such a way that if i if i just post it on on facebook or on linkedin or something people still appreciate the content uh, because that's also a very important part to um getting things ranked and getting interest in your company and all that is is um is is getting that interest on social media because otherwise it's also very hard to rank it in google it sort of all works together yeah, it all comes together and kind of, you know, one thing fuels another. And it's, it's the thing like Rand Fishkin from, from Moz and now Spark Toro mentions about these kind of uh, marketing flywheels as well. And how mm -hmm. one thing fuels another, you create a great piece of content, which then you can share on social and in email newsletters and everything. And then also has a chance to rank. And then if you rank better then the next time you share the next piece, it gets more, you know, it's just this flywheel effect, which yeah. uh, I think is a great way of kind of thinking about it. And Definitely. for you then, on the content marketing side of things too, uh, just is always like a favorite topic of mine because I've been so into it, but any particular tools that are helping you figure out uh, the content you want to create, the topics you want to, you know, kind of think about with this as well. And there's a, a number of them out there. I'm just curious which ones you use. Um, you mainly using Ahrefs um, yeah. to, to uh, investigate stuff and then doing, do some Googling. Uh, often the, the search suggestions of Google itself are good, good uh, pointers. Uh, just read some stuff. Um, you can you can quickly figure out what works. Um, but if if it's about numbers and how how many times something is searched and uh, how many backlinks you need to get and all that, I use Ahrefs. Yeah, I've, I've I haven't quite used it yet. I've always kind of debated it, but I think I'm getting closer to that point because it is so important and it's a it's a valuable tool from what many people have kind of mentioned. And taking a, a different angle here, I want to also know about uh, the pricing in terms of how you came up with what the business model would be around pricing with Salesflare as well. Yeah, so in the CRM space and especially in the in the space we're in uh, sales CRMs for small and medium-sized businesses, there isn't a whole lot of uh, opportunity to uh, price creatively because most products follow the same pricing structure. Uh, <laughs> So you, you, yeah. will, you will find <laughs> that if you compare different products that the prices align so well, uh, it's, it's, it's not a coincidence. Yeah, kind of has to be at that point, it seems like. <laughs> yeah. And one thing you mentioned uh, earlier in the interview as well, I want to go back to is you mentioned going through, you were in an accelerator, you pivoted from kind of the big companies you thought you were going to target to the more like SMBs uh, selling B2B. Why did you go to an accelerator in the first place? Uh, we we started off in um, in a small office in a small town in Belgium, just the two of us in a room, 
Um, and as much as uh, we were enthusiastic and it was all cool, um, it the, the only thing we things we could learn were from the internet, yeah. um, which at that point was not very very helpful. And we felt that joining uh, it was actually an, an incubator uh, that we were in, but we also joined a few accelerators. Um, the the incubator experience more so than the accelerators, even I would say, uh, was extremely valuable to us for the simple reason that we were uh, in between a lot of other startups trying to achieve uh, similar things, uh, having similar issues. Um, and we would talk to each other a lot, help each other out. Um, that's that's basically where we got the most value from, from these kind of experiences. Because if, if you can help each other along the journey that, that just yeah, make, makes an enormous amount of difference. Any particular incubators or, or accelerators that stand out to you that you went through or part of? So the incubator we, we, we went through is um, uh, that we, we worked from basically for three years is started at KVC. Uh, in Belgium, we were in the, the second batch of that incubator when it was only present in Antwerp. Uh, but since then, it's it's uh, expanded throughout the whole of Belgium. Uh, in every major city, they have a seat now. Um, and I think it really contributes very positively to the, to the Belgian startup ecosystem. Uh, we've also gone through um, iMac iStart, it's called now, uh, which is uh, one of the top-ranked uh, university incubators much more focused on technology, which was quite helpful as well. And we also went through um, uh, Tillanet Kickstart, which is an accelerator uh, sponsored back then, uh, at least, uh, by um, one of the biggest telecom players in Belgium, uh, which was much more focused on, um, let's say, general acceleration um, of, of software products. Which was uh, it, it? It it helped us in some ways by um, sort of uh, sometimes help helping us to take a step back, yeah, uh, to, to rethink things, to apply some kind of model to it, to open up our minds, get some some mentors to uh, think along with us. Uh, which, when you're in a startup and and you have the feeling of always going faster and faster and faster. Uh, it is helpful to do these kind of things um, because you might not be on the right track, which, which when you're initially starting out with a company is, is most likely the case. <laughs> yeah. And it's one of those things that I always think about with being effective versus being efficient. You can be efficient at the wrong things and doesn't necessarily matter at all. But if you're efficient at the right things and you're you're actually effective as well, which is what you want to be effective True. every day within the business. And that's something that um, it's hard to step back when you're in it because you're like, oh, I'm just doing this thing. I just have to grind on this thing. And then when you hear from a mentor or you read a book or something happens, you're like, wait a minute. I'm working on the wrong part of it, or I should be focusing on something else entirely, which is kind of uh, insane to think about, but you don't get that unless you take the time to step away a little bit uh, from yeah. that, which can be difficult. One of the things too, I know you raised a couple hundred thousand at least for Salesflare. Take me through the funding process and how that went for you. Yeah, we actually have uh, uh, on our blog, if you type startup funding Salesflare, we have a whole masterclass on startup funding. 
um, which is uh, yeah takes you through all the steps. For us, it was rather uh, I would say simple. Um, we started off with, with some accelerator money. We got some money from that other accelerator. Um, then um, we got some subsidies uh, from the government, which in Europe is a thing. If you uh, build innovative things, you can get subsidized for that. Nice. Uh, then we added some money from a bank and that gave us all together a really nice runway. Um, and since then, um, we've raised some angel funding as well. Uh, which was uh, completely in convertible notes um, and uh, have raised some subsidies now and then again and gotten bank loans to get over um, uh, some financial uh, situations because sometimes, I mean, money comes in then, money comes in then and you need yeah. to bridge that. Um, but we've been largely funded on, uh, on revenues uh, for the past few years which is handy. Yeah, that's obviously uh, the uh, the goal for many companies. It depends on what kind of model you're going for, but that can be obviously very beneficial. And and take me through this. Um, I know I've seen on your website before this this founder coffee series you're doing. How did that come about? Uh, how has that played a role in just uh, your company as well? Yeah, uh, I think I started at the beginning of 2018. Um, I... Uh, I had a chat with a fellow founder called Adam Hempenstahl or Hempy, whatever he wants to call himself, uh, <laughs> of, of Better Proposals. Um, he went to some rave in the Netherlands, I believe, and passed by Antwerp uh, to say hi. And we had a coffee. And uh, at that moment, I was watching uh, this show on Netflix called uh, Comedians in Cars Getting Coffee. And I was a, yeah. a, a big fan of it. And when I had that chat with Adam, I figured like, okay, the conversation we just had, that could be something like that. I could, I could basically uh, give other people access to these real life founder conversations because there's a whole lot of founders out there uh, which often feel a bit lonely in their story of, of building a, a SaaS company, software as a service company. Yeah. Uh, why don't I interview um, fellow SaaS founders, preferably of, of, of slightly more known companies, so people sort of have a relationship with uh, the software company and, and they appreciate learning about the people behind the company and uh, just invite them on a chat to talk, talk personal stuff. Um, how they handle things, how their daily life looks, what, what kind of stuff they're uh, working on, um, the next thing they want to delegate, all these kind of topics. Um, so that, yeah, you, you can sort of uncover the, the, the people behind the company and, and, and how they deal with things. So basically founders helping other founders. Yeah, I love it. I mean, obviously, that's what I've been doing for a bit on this this show as well. And I love people who are, are doing similar because there's so much to learn from the different founders out there. And I, one of the things you mentioned there of, of founders can be very lonely that doing this type of thing, starting companies, and a lot of people won't understand if they're not 
founders, uh, what it's like necessarily and having that perspective from other founders, but also even like a community of sorts as well can be very helpful, which is actually why I started a uh, community. I just started for just go grind with these founders I have in there is like, there's so much we can learn from each other, but also then, you know, whether it be business development, whether it be cross promotion, whatever, there's a lot of opportunity for that where founders, especially also from different yeah. companies. Yeah. And like, if you look at someone like Pete from Ampjar, like that's the same concept of like brands helping other brands who are not competing, but they have audiences that are the same. It's like, well, why don't we shout each other? Because that makes a lot of sense. I love his business model behind that. And so I wanted to do the same, which is why I started my community and seeing that Founder Coffee, <laughs> just, I saw that I had to bring it up in this episode. I think it'd be so beneficial to have uh, that type of thing as well. And and what kind of traction, where's the company at now? This is like six and a half years in. We have uh, over 2,000 companies actively using the software every week. Um, we kept uh, the company rather small, like in the sense that we are, are seven people taking care of all these customers. Um this is because we don't necessarily uh, need to grow the amount of uh, employees to be able to serve them properly. Also yeah. to, uh, I don't know whether you've seen, but the, the prices of CRMs are rather low. Uh, so even having uh, quite some companies um, paying you, uh, it's, uh, it doesn't immediately uh, immensely pay off. Uh, SaaS is a, is a long game where you invest to get the revenues in the future. And if you're not uh, loaded with venture capital, um, then uh, you you cannot uh, over uh, hire, let's say. Yeah, no, that's great. That's good to know where you're at. A couple thousand companies that you're working with, with only seven employees. Uh, and that's great to see the traction you've, you've gotten to this point with that as well. And uh, I'm always curious as to where companies are looking, what's the vision for their company in the future? What's kind of a uh, long-term, what are you thinking with, uh, with Salesflare? So, so we've, we've started our company around uh, uh, making CRM more useful uh, by eliminating a lot of the data input and, and helping people uh, with following up their leads. But there is so much more we can do in that space to automate things that salespeople are not necessarily uh, made for. Uh, there's a lot of uh, routine things which are better handled by computers so that salespeople can, can uh, spend their, their time and energy on what they're good at, which is uh, having conversations with customers, listening to their issues, coming up with solutions, these kind of things. Um, software right now is taking up way too much of their time. There's still a lot of opportunity there, but also uh, simple things like follow-up emails and all that. Um, yeah. We want to eliminate uh, all these kind of things um, so salespeople can, can focus on their customers even more. And as we've already um, like solved a big part of the issue, which is the, the, the data input issue, uh, we've uncovered... Um, quite some more data, uh, which then also makes that we can start um, building in much more intelligence. Um, so it's it's first unblocking the data issue to then say, okay, now that we have the data, we can start building automation on that. And as we get more and more data, there's, there's even uh, applications start becoming available for AI 
uh, yeah. because AI requires a ton of data. Um, but uh, I feel like we're 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 getting there. Is there been any particular books, whether it be personal or professional, that have been most impactful for you in your life? Oh, uh, I read a lot of books, and uh, I'm not a huge fan of uh, favorites or something. Uh, <laughs> any standouts? <laughs> let me look. I, I I keep a list for myself and for other people on um, on Goodreads. So if you type my name there, first name, last name, you will find me. Um, last book I read was How to Win Friends and Influence People. Um, which was really nice to just rethink how to um, build better relationships with people. Yeah. Um, let me think if there's anything that really stood out. I think the, the, the most impactful one on me over the past year was the one of why we sleep. Um, I don't remember who wrote it. I'm looking. At I know it. he was on uh, Joe, uh, Joe Rogan's podcast. The guy who wrote that, because I bought the book after that. <laughs> yeah, no, that was that was that was most impactful because it's it's so um, important how you take care of your sleep quality, um, and the book is so well written. It's like it's 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 very hard to create content like that uh, in general, <laughs> like where it's. Super well written, very yeah. well structured, uh, but still extremely readable. Like uh, it, it, it reads like a train, and fully based on uh, on science. Uh, and and if if you then compare that to other books, they mostly disappoint on on, on one of these points. Um, most often on the uh, not not supported by science uh, sort of uh, point and and yeah i was i was so impressed with that book and and uh, i i take care much more of my sleep quality uh, since then we've even uh, established something within the company where we give a bonus for everyone who sleeps uh, uh what is it five nights for more than seven hours in a week uh, for nice. each of these weeks that you do that, you you get uh, an extra bonus at the end of the year. That's amazing. Uh, and for people who are curious, it's Why We Sleep by Matthew Walker. I tried to look it up because I wanted yeah. to make sure people have that. Um, it is, yeah. I, I started it. I haven't. I don't know how far I am in it, but it is. It does do a really good job on blending all those things you mentioned into a book, which could be. It could easily be very difficult and dry. Let's put it that way. Yeah. But it's not. But it's definitely not. Um, I think there's a great job with that. And how do you recharge away from work? It varies. Um, I mainly, uh, well, sleep is, is a major uh, factor in that. Uh, next to that, I try to put my thoughts on other stuff. Um, what helps for me most is, well, sporting helps. But next to that, also um, taking care of uh, seamless, I uh, seemingly um, like less interesting stuff, uh, like uh, reorganizing stuff or, or doing a bit of cleaning here or there or whatever, uh, can really help to get a, a, a sense of uh, I did something meaningful. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, yeah, reading books I really like to do, um, and meeting up with friends, but that's uh, a bit harder nowadays. So. 
Yeah, it does become a bit more challenging during a global pandemic, but uh, we'll get back <laughs> to that soon. I'm, I'm fingers crossed as soon as possible. It's going to be a while, but uh, you know, I'm hopeful for that and using the time to be productive in other ways. And where can people go to learn more about uh, Salesflare and connect with you as well? Yeah, so about Salesflare, you can get on uh, salesflare.com. So it's sales and then Flare, F-L-A-R-E.com. And then you can try the software there, just top right, there's a button. Uh, and you get a trial of anywhere between seven and 30 days because we sort of gamify that. You get extra <laughs> days in the trial as you as you complete steps in the setup. Um, and if you want to connect with me, you can do that on LinkedIn. Um, send me a LinkedIn connection request with a message, please. Uh, because without a message, I have, I have no idea that you're coming from uh, Just Go Grind and yeah. Uh, I, you might as well be one of the, the, the spammers that I get every day in my mailbox. But if you add a message, I'll, I'll certainly get in, uh, connect to you. I appreciate that. And that, yeah, I'll echo that same sentiment. Add a message. It takes like two seconds to do, and it's so much more chance of connecting with people you want to connect with. And thank you so much for taking the time to come on the show today. Yeah, you're welcome. This was fun. Thank you for listening to this episode of Just Go Grind. I really appreciate you taking the time to listen. The Weekly Grind, which is my weekly newsletter, comes out every single Friday. You can find it at justgogrind.com slash newsletter. This is filled with tips, tools, and strategies for growing your business. If you want to know how to launch a business, how to grow it, how to get it off the ground, find employees, all these different things. There's a few tips, tools, and strategies every single week I deliver right to you. Justgogrind.com slash newsletter. Check it out. Thank you so much for listening. Talk to you in the next episode.